Uh, today we're beginning a new series of messages, and uh, it's just called uh, what, what Makes a Village? Now, I just thought this would be really appropriate for us as we're launching a new campus and then as we're going into a new school year. I think it's always good for us to sort of do a little refresher and be reminded of what is this, you know, what is this church about? You know, what is the point? What is the purpose of this church? Now, I heard a story about a, a son that wanted to buy his parents an anniversary gift, and so he's going to get, get them the sterling silver vase, and he was going to have their anniversary date engraved on it. And so he couldn't remember when they got married, and so he called his dad up. He said, Dad, I'm getting you all a gift, and I just need to know your anniversary date. And he said his dad sat there, and he said about 30 seconds passed, and his dad said, Margaret, the phone's for you. Now, it is never wise for us to forget important dates, and especially if you're married, you know you don't want to forget birthdays, you don't want to forget anniversaries, because if you do that, I guarantee you, you are setting yourself up for a miserable day. Well, for us as a church, I think it's good for us to go through a refresher and to be reminded uh, to remember why we are a church in the first place. And so as we go through this series of messages over really the next, I guess the next four weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to see what it is that makes Village Church, Village Church. And we're going to see what it is that we believe that God has called us to do as a church, as mentioned to us by scripture. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the very beginning of the church by, by looking in Acts chapter 2, verse number 42 today. And so if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, you can go and, and you can look and in the next, I guess, six verses that we'll be reading, we're going to get a pretty good explanation, a pretty good reminder of what Village Church or what any church is supposed to be about. Now, just for some background information, this is a passage that is dealing with the birth of the church. Uh, Acts chapter 2 talks about Pentecost. Have you all heard of Pentecost before, or at least heard that term before? If you've heard of that term before, it was a, it was a great Jewish holiday that they celebrated. It was actually a holiday that was being celebrated where Jews from all over the world would come to Jerusalem, they would come to the temple in order to worship God. And Pentecost signified, or it was, it was symbolic of when God gave the law to the Jewish people on Mount Sinai. Now, for believers, for those who are followers of Christ, it has a different meaning for us today. Because Pentecost really has become for us the birth of the church. And so that's why we're looking at the scripture today. As, as we look at Village Church, and you'll see it says, what makes a village? Well, guys, what makes a village is what, what scripture has to teach us today. Now at Pentecost, just as a reminder what's going on here, uh, the disciples, Jesus had been crucified probably a little less than two months earlier. The disciples finally kind of get their bravery back. They go into Jerusalem, they begin to preach, and there's people from all over the ancient world who were visiting in, in Jerusalem at this time for this holiday, and so they speak a lot of different languages. And as these disciples are preaching, miraculously people are hearing or understanding what they were saying in their own language. And it turned, to be, it turned out to be a revolutionary moment in the lives of these people, in the lives of the people who were living in this community and beyond. And what happened is the church was born in this chapter. And it's in this chapter we see some things that set this group of people apart from everybody else. And I believe what we're going to see 
uh, modeled in their lives is what is to be modeled in our lives as believers and as a church. And so today what we're going to do is we're just simply going to take a look at a few reminders of what we're to be about. A few reminders of what the church is supposed to be. Now, now what are some reminders we need to know that we see in our text today? Well, the very first reminder of who we are as a church, and specifically as Village Church, is this. We are a people dedicated to the teachings of Jesus. And so what's Village Church about? You know, when y'all come together, what do you guys talk about? We talk about a lot of different things, but my hope is that when you come here, you will notice that the focus of all of our teachings has to do with what Jesus said. Believe me, you don't want to come here and, and get wisdom from me. Uh, y'all, you might as well just go to Waffle House, and you're going to hear better stories of wisdom there. We have some guys in our church, the Romeo Club, uh, retired old men, eating out. Uh, they go there, and they have more wisdom than I do. But when we come here, we come here in order, in order to see what Jesus has to say, what Jesus has to teach us. Uh, in verse number 42, you can see this. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Now you have to remember that the majority of people being talked to at this point, they were, they were new followers of Jesus. Brand new. Started out with 120 guys. They were praying for God to send his power upon people. And then by the time you get to verse number 41, it says, So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them, or were added to the church. And so what you have here, you have the very beginning of the church. You have 3,000 people who are gathering together, and they are curious, hey, this Jesus guy that we've decided to follow, what does he have to say to us? And that's why we're told that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now, what, what, were, the, what were the apostles teaching? They were teaching what Jesus had taught them. Before Jesus left this earth, he said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, why is it important for us to pay attention to what Jesus says? You know, why is it important for us as a church to focus all of our teachings upon what Christ had to say? Well, here's why. It's because of who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. Who is, who is Jesus? He is the one that just about 50 days earlier had gone to a cross, he died, and then he rose from the grave. He conquered death. When somebody conquers death like that, you have to say, that's a different guy. I mean, that is somebody we ought to pay attention to. And so they devoted themselves to the teachings of Jesus. You see, the teachings of Jesus are like food that nourishes the body. It is like food that gives fuel to the body. We're told in 1 Peter 2, it says, like newborn infants, for those of you who are new believers, it says, desire the pure spiritual milk, the teachings of Jesus, so that you may grow by it for your salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. I really believe that there are a lot of us as believers who struggle in life because we are biblically malnourished. 
We have no idea of the promises that God gives his people. We have no idea of the, of the joys that God directs us to in Scripture. And so because we don't know it, we miss out on what he has to say. So the, the Bible very much, it is, like, it is like fuel for the soul of a person. And that's why everything that we do, we want to be filling you up on what God's Word says. Now this is true in all areas of life. I mean, when you eat, food is fuel for your body. When you drive, before you go on a trip, what do you want to do? You want to make sure you got plenty of gas to get where you, where, to get where you want to go. Now have any of you ever run out of gas before? You ever run out of gas? It stinks when you run out of gas. And you feel like an idiot, for one. You're on the side of the road. You're going, I cannot believe this. And, uh, and then when you're walking to a gas station, nobody ever buys. They only have gas cans in gas stations for people like me who are morons, who do not fill up beforehand. Last year, I went to pick up my son. My oldest son is at the Citadel, so you can't have a car down there your first year. And so I went down there to pick him up, his first trip home. And so I drive down there, pick him up. As we're coming back, my, my car it has that, you know, that little the, you know, the idiot box up front, and it says 50 miles till empty. Okay, I see that. Now what happens is we're driving back. It is pouring rain. I-26, hell is going to be I-26. And so I'm driving back, and it's pouring rain. I'm, trying, I'm, I'm, I'm so focused on not losing control of my car that I forget about the gas gauge. The next time I look at it, it is, it is just starting to, to simmer down in the rain. I look at it, it says two miles to empty. We are three miles from the next exit. Hank is ticked off at me. Hank is a planner. You know, he likes everything to be orderly. And so I'm looking at him. I was like, man, this is really going to stink for you because you're going to have to walk three miles to get us gas and come back while I sit in the car. And now, now, what happened, fortunately for us, is we actually coasted into the gas station. So I learned a very important lesson. Uh, whenever my car says 50 miles left till you're empty, it actually means there's 51 miles left until you're empty. But whenever, whenever you go on a trip, you want to make sure that you have enough gas. But we also should add this to our spiritual lives as well. We are traveling in a very rough world right now. And guys, let me tell you something. If we're going to navigate through this life, we better make sure we have spiritual fuel to get us through this life. And where, where do we find that fuel? We find it in God's Word. That's why at Village Church, one of the things that we believe is that it's important that what we teach you comes from Scripture. Now, that's why we believe that in our small groups, our V groups, that we gather together to look into God's Word to give us direction for life because we believe that God is bigger than all of us and He's smarter than all of us. So we better pay attention to His Word. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We live in a dark world. And so we need God's word to light up the road before us so that we'll know how to navigate this life. So, so who are we as a church? Well, the first reminder of who we are is we are a people dedicated to the teachings of Jesus. It doesn't mean we always do everything right. doesn't mean that we're always correct. But our focus is upon what God has to say. Now, the second reminder of who we are is this. is that we're a people of unity. Village Church, we are to be a people of unity. Now, I want you to look with me in, uh, let's see, verse number 44 and 45. 
says, now all the believers were together, had everything in common. So they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Okay, now this is where you guys get to participate here. I want you to look at those two verses I read, and I want you to share with me what acts of unity that you see in verses 44 and 45. What do you see in there? What do you see? What's verse 44? Acts of unity, where they're doing stuff together. All right, good job. Had all things in common. What else do you see? They sold their possessions, they sold the property, they shared, they met together for worship. You go on, they ate together, it says they were glad. Now some people look at this and say, man, this is, this, there's, this is communism. Uh, this is not talking about communism, if you get a little bit nervous about that. You know, they shared everything, they held everything in common, it's not what it's talking about. The, you have to remember the context here. People were coming from all over the ancient world to Jerusalem to celebrate, past, or to celebrate Pentecost. When they got there, uh, most of like the hotels were booked. And so they had to stay with other people. And so they stayed with people. And then while they were there, then the, the disciples began to preach. And some of them became followers of Jesus. And so they prolonged their stay because they wanted to learn more about Jesus. And so because they didn't come with all the extra money, they, to, in order to, to support each other, like, hey, we want to stay a little bit longer, let's share what we have so we can learn more about Jesus. And so they stayed. Now the rest of society began to shun them. And so they created like their own, their own community during the time when they're trying to learn more about Jesus. And what's interesting is that affected the rest of the community because by the time you get to verse number 43, you see that it says that the people were filled with awe. I mean, they're watching these people. I mean, they're all hanging out together. They're sharing everything, and, and they're in awe by it all. Why? Because, guys, it is not in the nature of people to be unified. It is in our nature to be selfish. And I've said this before. If you don't believe me, watch your children. I mean, you don't, you don't teach your children. Remember, you don't teach them how to say mine, right? They ought to. Children, those little demons, they know that everything belongs to them, right? You don't ever teach your kids to say mine. It's just in our nature to be selfish. But as I get older, there's something I'm learning. I'm learning as I get older, there is more joy in giving and sharing than there is in receiving. And whenever people see it, it is so strange. The Bible says they watch them with awe. I read an interesting article in the Atlantic Monthly Journal. It, it talked about whenever the three tenors were singing together. You all might remember them. I, I, don't, I, I remember it's Placido Domingo, uh, Pavarotti, and some other guy, Carreras, Jose Carreras. Uh, those three guys sang together. And so they were interviewing them. And the interview, they asked them, they said, do you guys ever get jealous of each other and try to outshine one another while you're singing as the three tenors? Because, you know, they're such huge, super, they, were, they were such huge superstars. you think, you know, there'd be some sort of, say, somebody trying to outshine somebody else. But Placido Domingo said something really interesting. He said, you have to put all your concentration into opening your heart to the music. He said, you can't be rivals when you're trying to make music together. And I thought about that, and I thought, man, what a, what a true statement for the church. Guys, we can't be rivals and fighting with each other if we are trying to make music 
that will honor God. If we're trying to work together in such a way that our world that is in desperate need of seeing a light, if we're going to allow the world to see Jesus through us, then, then, then we have to work together. So, so how, do we, how do we do that? How do we demonstrate unity? Well, like the scripture says, we, we come together, we worship together, uh, we can share, share meals together. You know, one of, the, one of the fun things for me is every Sunday, almost every Sunday after church, and of course Janie's, my daughter Janie's not really excited about the third service because it's 1130, screws up San Jose's. You know, so, but what's fun is that we, we'd go to, after, after the services, when you go out to eat, go to San Jose's or whatever, to see the place filled with people from the church, eating together, sharing life together. In our, in our V group ministries, we, we demonstrate unity whenever we come together and we share life together. We, we demonstrate unity whenever we serve together. I, I have more closeness with people when I'm serving than at any other time. Now, now why is that? Because we're not trying to promote ourselves. We're trying to serve and promote Jesus. So, so who are we? You know, why are we here as a church? So what do we need to be reminded of? What do I need to be reminded of? A couple of reminders. First one is I need to be reminded we are people dedicated to the teachings of Jesus. Another reminder for me is we are to be a people of unity. And the last reminder I see of who we are as Village Church is we are a people reaching others. We are, to, we are to be a people that reach others. The last two verses, verses 46 and 47, it says, And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They praised God. And having favor with all the people, and every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. You know, whenever I find a group of people that I really enjoy being around, one of the last things I want to do is let anybody else in. You know, if, if you kind of get your little group together, and then I think, don't let anybody else into the group, because if we do, they might screw it up. That's like, it's a great attitude for a pastor, Right? And so I like to be, I'm like, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. You know, I like to be protective. I like it when things kind of work out. But guys, let me tell you something. When I look at the group of new believers in our scripture, I see that they had an outward-focused viewpoint. And you say, how do you know that? A couple reasons. Uh, one, they interacted with the community at large. If you look at that, in verse number 47, it says, and they had the good favor of all people. How do you get the good favor of the people around you? Well, you interact with them. You hang out with them. You do things for them. You serve them. One of my favorite things about Village Church is how much service is involved here. How many people are involved in serving? And, you know, whenever you serve, you get asked the same question over and over again. Whenever we go out, and I know that Jonathan and the, the group at, from uh, the West Campus, they've been going out, they've been handing out popcorn nonstop, giving it to people with information about the church, talking to them. They've, they've done some uh, community projects and service projects. Uh, here we've gone, you know, we, we're getting ready to do Lakes, Carolina. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to, uh, we have other people that are involved in ministries, like with Samaritan's Purse, all these different things. And whenever we do those things, it's really interesting. They, people always say, why are you doing this? You know, why, why are you serving? It's real simple for us. We say, well, it gives us, it's a simple way for us to be able to say that Jesus loves you. And whenever you're outward focused, you win favor. You win the favor of the community. Now, I, I look, the people in our, in our text, we, we know that they were outward focused. Verse number 47 says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, when, when people hear about 
Jesus and they see you serving Jesus and they see that Jesus makes a difference in your life, it becomes contagious. And people want what you have. Little Church, we have, to, we have to always remember this. We are here for the Lord. We are here to tell other people about how Jesus changes your life. Because whenever Jesus touches you, you cannot be the same. There's a great story about some men back in the 19th century. They were panning for gold in Montana. There's a group of them, and they're in a river, and as they're panning for gold, one of the guys began to notice some gold flakes and specks, and then there was a rock and he cleaned it off, and it was a golden nugget. The guy begins to show everybody. They begin, you know, they begin to pan even harder, and everybody is starting to pull up all these golden nuggets, and they go absolutely berserk. I mean, they're jumping up and down saying, we're rich, we're rich. And, and they're, as they're celebrating, finally one of the guys says, we've got to go get some more supplies so that we can get all this gold. He said, but when we go into town, you better not say a word about what's here. And so all the men, they made an agreement, we're not going to tell anybody. They went into town, they end up getting more supplies. As they're getting the supplies, they come out of the store, and there's 50 men, when they come out of the store, who are sitting on their horses with their bags packed, waiting to follow them. And the guys are looking around going, what in the world? They're wondering who told. And finally, one of the men said, what what are y'all doing here? They said, we're getting ready to follow y'all. They said, we know you found gold. And the guys, how do you know that? He said, you didn't have to say anything. He said, we could see it on your faces. When I heard that story, I thought, how many people, when they look at us, when they look at the church, when they say, you know what? We know that you serve a risen Savior because we can see it on your faces. We can see the joy that you have. We can see by what you do that you love people. You know, Jesus told us in Matthew 20, uh, 22, 37 through 40, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Now, as every once in a while, we need to be reminded of who we are. You know, every once in a while, we need to be reminded, why are we here as a church? Because it's so easy to lose sight of. It is easy to think, it's all, it's, all for, it's all for us. You know, we, we are here because it's just sort of like, it's just what we do. But whenever I look into our text, I am reminded what Village Church is about. What are we about? We are people dedicated to the teachings of Jesus. We are a people of unity, and we are a people reaching others. Now, here's the big question. Does that describe, does that describe you? Now, does that describe our church? Because when I look into our scripture, when I look into our text, I see that God's people are about the things of God. And Villas Church, it is my hope that we will have the same testimony as the people in Acts chapter 2, that when the community saw them, they had the good favor of the community. Why? Because they serve God. And folks, when you serve God, when you love God, you're going to love people. And people are going to notice that you are different.